Hello and welcome to Netflix, the podcast more obsessed with Netflix than the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is obsessed with bare women's feet. I'm Samuel Spencer and this week we're paying tribute to the streaming services silver screen offerings in our latest movie special. The only person you're going to scare is yourself! Charlie, what are you doing? Keep the noise down. What are you doing here? Mace, just in time. There's a whole load of police here. I think they're worried you're gonna hurt yourself. Or someone else. (laughs) How many children are you friends with? Later on, we will review the new Netflix film Otherhood, But first, we're going to delve into Netflix's best horror films with three entertainment experts from The Express. We have entertainment editor Stefan Kiriazis, entertainment reporter George Simpson, and senior showbiz reporter Minnie Wright. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Hello. So let's delve right into Netflix horror. Uh, Tell us about that, Stefan. Okay, well, horror is becoming really, really big business. It used to be kind of a much maligned little genre, kind of schlocky, scream queeny. Uh, 2017 was the biggest year in horror. We've always had kind of like all the way back from The Exorcist and all the films back in the 70s. We had Blair Witch Project, Rings, Nuns, Conjurings, Freddy Krueger, Screams. But horror is making really, really big money now. And it's also attracting, it's going back to the origins of the 70s and attracting really big names. We've got credible Oscar winning actors and actresses. So we had Emily Blunt in A Silent Place, which I know George thinks isn't real horror. No, it's not. It's, just, it's just like Jurassic Park. But that's about as scary as it gets. I think Minnie and I are on there. That's quite scary enough <laughs> for me. <laughs> and we had Lupita Nyong'o in Us. And she's coming up in a zombie horror comedy, which I'm quite looking forward to, called it's Little fun. Monsters. I've seen it. It's Yeah, it's excellent. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so George is going to tell us all about, because he's our horror expert, about it. But my take on horror is it works because people like being scared, but it works for Hollywood because it's cheap. It's really cheap to make. Couple of closed locations, build the atmosphere. Not You can't have distractions with big casts. You can't have big settings. So what's horror all about and why is it exciting? And why does Netflix do it well or not? Well, you're certainly right that it's cheap and it's a great way for first-time directors to mm. uh, have a go at a movie before they're given uh, something a bit bigger. Um, in terms of it, I think the appeal of it, um, because you, you have to consider, wow, the box office, it's bigger than The Exorcist, highest grossing horror uh, of all time. 700 million? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, what's that all about? I think part of it is uh, nostalgia, uh, especially for the 1980s with the popularity of Stranger Things. One of the kids um, from Stranger Things is in it. Um uh, again, nostalgia for being scared of clowns. Uh, there's nothing so scared. nostalgic for being terrified of clowns. Clowns <laughs> are wrong, 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 wrong. But also the fact that it's an R-rated film or a 15, um, as we call it in the UK, what, that involves children uh, fighting a monster. It, it harkens back to what's what scared us under the bed as uh-huh. as, as children. It's more of a horror. Um, adventure and also just because it's a Stephen King classic so people think okay I don't really like horror films generally but you know what I'm gonna go see it because it's the big famous one and it looks a bit like Stranger Things Mm, so Netflix is still involved loosely yes we we can blame Netflix for the success (laughs) so George you're the expert Um, across Netflix recently what horror has given you the chills Um, recently, well, it came out almost a year ago, but I think it was pretty much missed by a lot of people. It was a film called Apostle, Mm. uh, which is from director Gareth Evans, uh, who directed The Raid. And it stars Downton Abbey's Dan Stevens, who, uh, 
heads off in 1905. It's a period horror. Mm. Let's not forget those subgenres. 1905 to a remote Welsh island where he goes to rescue his sister who's been kidnapped and held for ransom by a mysterious cult. So it's also the kind of the folk horror thing, a bit like Midsummer. Tick, 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 tick. The, the Wicker Man. Michael Sheen's the cult leader who's particularly freaky. Um, and his kind of cult's claim is that... Um, the uh, the formerly barren island is now fertile thanks to blood sacrifice. So all the villagers keep a little jar, and every night they put give put their offering outside their doors. But there's obviously a little more going on there. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but it's certainly intriguing, intense, and very bloody. All right, out of five, how many buckets of blood for this one? I think four. I think okay. it's a solid entry. There's a little indie horror. It's not trashy. It's a decently made. Um, uh, independent horror film. All right. Minnie and me are the, the two scaredy cats. So, Minnie, I forced you <laughs> to watch horror. What did you come up with? She's um, still shivering for <laughs> people. Uh, well, I actually um, went in with Bird Box um, to go on to the Netflix original. Um, and speaking of kind of intellectualizing horror and moving away from the kind of the trashy uh-huh. um, slasher type thing, I really enjoyed Bird Box because I didn't think of it, I was just saying to George, I'm not sure if I thought about it as horror so much as it is like a really intense psychological thriller uh-huh. and it's a bit scary it's uh-huh. it's a tension thing it's a suspense thing it's less um terrify you every night you're going to sleep for like months afterwards and i really enjoyed that because it wasn't it didn't make me jump which is what i hate about horror i can't <laughs> do jumpy horrors at all but it did kind of like it's creepy and it's got a lot of suspense okay and then you watched a classic as well i went back and did psycho for you the first time that? no um, also, the first Hitchcock I've actually watched, okay. um, which is shameful, but I really enjoyed it. Got, I think maybe, I imagine some people disagree with me on this, but it's maybe dated slightly just in a sense of the pace. Mm-hmm. I didn't think anything else about it really felt dated. Yeah. I sort of dropped off a little bit around the kind of two thirds mark and was a bit kind of like, okay, we need to pick this back up again. But then you have a great twist at the end, which I was all there for music's fantastic cast is amazing <laughs> love the script i think um, that's editing more than anything the editing has changed yeah, a lot in films like i watched some like it hot and i honestly dropped in and out of that a little bit and that's mm. a frantic what? crazy mu- i know but still the transitions we've and the gotten scenes, so much sharper we're just used to short really attention punchy, spans. Yeah. yeah yeah bang 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 so yeah so i, I can see where you are on that well i i was gonna watch um i think is it i am mother or whichever one which was I was told was a psychological thriller and I wasn't allowed to. And so I went and found this one called Gerald's Game, which is an old Netflix thriller. It's one of their most highly, highly, highly rated ones. Um, it's got the amazing Carlo Gugino, who I really love. Um, and it starts off in a lonely cabin in the woods, but they've gone for their sort of revive their marriage, middle-aged couple. He pulls out the... Um, basically ties her up on the bed and they're about to have sex. And she starts freaking out anyway because she decides she doesn't want to do it. And then he has a heart attack and dies. And she's left handcuffed to the bed in an abandoned cabin in the middle of the woods. And she becomes delirious. And then she starts having visions. And you don't know if what you're seeing is real or not. And things happen. And there are monsters. And I hate this kind of stuff. <laughs> but it was really, really, really well done. Uh, and it's, yes, I'm with you on the jump scares. But I kind of love them, hate them in that in that way. That's um, quite a refreshing plot device to get yeah. you into horror though like yeah. that's quite unique yeah. <laughs> that one and i mean we've all been there right no <laughs> oh. no no <laughs> so how many buckets of blood would you give that uh, one i would i would probably give it a, a good four as well because i'm with the psychodrama thing it actually then delves into her childhood and she starts hallucinating and there's adult themes and adult content about her childhood which is quite disturbing 
And then there's a proper old school monster at the end. And then there's a proper back seat of the car moment, which always works, even though, you know, it's coming. Um, and I, I properly jumped and knew it was about to happen and still freaked me out. So I resent George for making me watch <laughs> a horror film. Um, I'm proud of you. But yeah, I'm, I, I get the appeal. It's still never going to be my favorite genre. But I like the fact that people are making more intelligently. And Netflix is, that might be one of its stronger yeah, I think, well, as I said uh, on our, the last time we were on the podcast, I think they're very strong on rom-coms and horror. Maybe because maybe it's they're simpler um, yes. structures, but that's not too complex. You know what you're going to get with them, some laughs and some scares. Um, I, do, I do think, though, generally there's been a resurgence in horror because they're just making better films. Mm -hmm. They're not B-movie gore fests yes. uh, in the way that they have been in the past. And so people say to me, what are you going to see that horror film? Are you, are you a huge, huge horror fan? And it's like, well, not necessarily. I don't, I'm not like a huge horror fan. I just, I'm a big movie fan. And if I know it's going to be a good movie, I'll go see it. And so this, because we're, we're going to discuss Netflix's credibility in certain areas, but you think within horror, they're actually sort of punching their weight. Yes, I think it's a bit better. But it's like we just listed, Stefan said with Gerald's Game and I said with Bird Box, that they're, they're good movies. You don't uh -huh. just pigeonhole, yeah. them, pigeonhole yeah. them in horror. They've got, they're ticking all these other boxes about intellectual and giving you suspense and giving you the, the big horror moments, the scary monster, the, the jump scares. But they're also, like you said, they've got depth to the storyline. The actors. casting's amazing. Some of the script's incredible. And cinematography, you can, there's, it's ticking a lot more boxes than just scary i mean what i really want to do is actually stand up for these uh b-movie splatter fests that you are <laughs> denigrating the film that i watched uh, yeah. this week is a film called climax uh that's right Excellent. climax um which is um it was released last year i saw it in the cinema but i watched it again uh, because i am a sadist uh directed by gaspar noe um who did into the void irreversible so we're in kind of you know gory territory and basically it is a dance academy uh, where somebody spikes the punch with LSD and then all hell breaks loose. Um, there's people who are like kicked into miscarriages and there's um, spinning cameras and people vomiting blood. And I enjoyed that as much as any kind of well-made film, um, you know, and that's, I think what's really great about Netflix is whereas you might be slightly embarrassed to go see that in the cinema, you know, you can just turn on your Netflix <laughs> In the privacy of your own so home. Like the kind of Netflix kind of podcast version of Fifty Shades of Grey on your Kindle. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like that. Like nobody ever needs to know, apart from if they look at how it's changed my algorithm, that Only I ever watched. Got on your Netflix account, that's the problem. Yeah, you never, never let them go on your Netflix account. That's my advice. Um, so I think Netflix does that. It's going in one way, making these amazing films, but it's also, you know, allowing us to, in a less embarrassed way watch the trash that we actually want to watch. But I have no problem with trash at all, genuinely. Oh, great. And and you know. The argument is still: Is it well made? It does yes. it. Yeah. Does does it do what it's supposed to be doing mm. with respect? And does it do it properly? And then I don't care what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as they've they've kind of invested properly and they've done it, then then stand up and be proud for your love of really trashy splatter gore. Well, I've come out on this podcast, so uh, it's now going back now. Uh, let's uh, move on and talk about Netflix more generally. Mm. Then, um, obviously, Netflix has moved into more prestige films. Um, this week, they talked about we've got the release of The Irishman, the new. Martin Scorsese, uh, Roma, you know, was inches away from winning an Oscar. Um, and yet there seems to be this whole sub-market of kind of Netflix, middle-of-the-road, three-star, two-star films. 
So what's going on there, Stefan? Well, they have the most ginormous budget, quite possibly a bigger budget now than most film studios. Um, so I wonder, and my, this was thrown up because we do this once a month, and I was like, right, what Netflix originals can we watch that'll come out in August? And I went through week by week mm -hmm. by week. There were literally four or five originals. A couple of those were kind of niche cartoons, um, a couple of middle Asian um, targeted films. And then we had sextuplets, Yes. <laughs> um, and Otherhood and a couple of foreign films. And I'm like, for a, a streaming service that has billions, that's really, really rubbish. And they're, they're kind of mainstream that they buy in, the Hollywood blockbuster types. They're not as strong as Amazon or Sky or anything like that. So they need to be competing on a different level. But then I did go back and I looked through and suddenly you've got, you know, you've got Beasts of No Nation was their first ever Netflix proper film swept all the award seasons so there's a lot of credibility there um i think it's a sort of two horse game they kind of they do their thoroughbreds for prestige and actually sometimes get really great reviews on them as well and then they sort of churn out the comfort sort of hallmarky it's good enough it'll pass the time the kind of forgive the phrase but the kind of netflix and chill in the sense of you just put it on as background it's they, easy enough they do do the rom-coms and the, the middle of the road rom-coms incredibly well but you they know do. where they're really yeah. competing actually is documentary films okay yes. the feature length yes. documentaries like to, for me netflix is the top of the heap when Definitely. it comes to that you've got all of the true crime ones you've got things like knock down the house and the great hack which have just so blown me away recently mm, okay. knock down the house like i cried three times What's that fantastic. About? that's about the four women um in the um 2018 midterm elections um, and I know nothing really about politics and especially American politics oh, pack, it's not great on me the pack um, before kind of yeah, yeah. and it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yeah, yeah. ended up being the one who got elected and that was that was a sensational watch they've got you know you've got things like casting John Bonet and Longshot and the fire documentary um the Great Hack, like I said, Icarus, all of all of these oh, amazing yeah. feature-length documentaries. If like if I want to watch a documentary, which is a lot of the time, Netflix is the obvious go-to, and that's where they're really kind of the first class when it comes to whether it's now TV or Prime or anything. Another thing they're amazing at actually is um, for hiring female filmmakers. Um, mm. They, I, I don't know the percentages because trying to work out any kind of stats around Netflix <laughs> is impossible. <laughs> but um, like Otherhood, for example, uh, Bird Box. Uh, these are all, um, Someone Great, which I loved last month, uh, these are all giving kind of young female filmmakers, often of colour, like their first break. Um, and I compare this a lot because obviously we've got Disney Plus coming for Netflix's gig uh, in November, and they are just churning out so many like old ideas, like, oh, they've announced the Lizzie McGuire sequel, which nobody needs. <laughs> um, and I think at least Netflix, they are taking a chance on these new and interesting ideas, which I think is, um, we need a space for that. Um, and I'm glad that it's Netflix. And we glossed over it, but they are also providing um, general kind of British and American audiences really easy access to great foreign movies yes. as well. Oh, yeah. And and that's something that doesn't get probably talked about enough. <laughs> yeah, like um, Snowpiercer is a film that I really yes. enjoyed, which is based on uh, a French graphic novel about a uh, uh, it's the end of the world and the, the remaining humans all live on the same train that's going nowhere and it's in a part of a class system where all the rich live at the at one end and all the poor uh, live at the other end and about a, a revolution uh, throughout the train 
And this film, I think, came out about 2013 and starred Chris Evans when he was just kind of kicking off as Captain America. And it's a Korean-made English language film, but it didn't get a UK release. I actually bought the Blu-ray from New Zealand, and it took about two months to arrive. And then, lo and behold, a few months later, it's finally on Netflix. And you didn't mention that Tilda Swinton is in it, which as oh, the yes. number one fan, I feel I need to say. <laughs> she is tremendous. And, jo- and the late John, John Hurt. Of course, well. yes. And although August, like you said, has been dry for Netflix original movies, the next couple of months, there's some really big stuff coming up that looks great. There is some um, sensational oh, stuff. Yes. I mean, yeah. I'm, I mean yeah. George is going to talk about one. I'm going to talk a little bit about The King because I will match your Tilda Swinton obsession with my <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. I mean, you yes. might have to fight me for that one as well. Actually. Good we Lord. I, I will. I'll get vicious. And not only, yes, he's incredibly beautiful, but the boy has so much presence and charisma. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's extraordinary. Everything I've ever seen him in, he's just so present and so believable. I mean, he's, he's, he's utterly incredible. And this, when it was announced, I actually thought it was Shakespeare, Shakespeare. Uh, and it's Henry V. Um, and Henry the Fourth, Part One and Two. Yeah, yeah. Sort of doing all by three. Joel Edgerton, which I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that Shakespeare level talent, you know. I'm I don't have a problem with Joel Edgerton. I've I've seen a couple of other things that he's been involved with producing or writing, um, and I like what he does. And he's 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 a craftsman and he's quite solid. Um, so I don't know if he's a huge 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 talent, but I like what he does, um, and I'm pleased to see him in it. And you've got, I think. Um, oh, our Pats, Robert Pattinson playing, I'm assuming, the French Long Dauphin. Blonde hair. The oh, Dauphin that, yeah, that as, as the Dauphin. Work. And you've got Ben Mendelssohn, who I'm going to guess is playing a villain. He's, he's playing King Henry IV. Okay, so yeah. But, you know, he's, he's scowling and grimacing. Oh, and, yeah. That's and, what you want. Like, you want absolutely. to see, because we had last year, we had him trying to do that in... Um, Ready the, Player One. In the Robin Hood movie, oh, which yes. was oh, no. horrendous. Yes, it was. But he was the saving grace. So now we get to see him do a similar kind of thing but surrounded by good stuff in a good movie. Yes. And well, I'm a bit Alan Rickman on him. I'm a bit like, I think there's more <laughs> and I'm getting tired of seeing the same old kind of... I never get tired of it. Sort of <laughs> well, yeah. But this one I'm massively looking forward to. And I, the trailer gave me proper goosebumps. Yes, we're all going to go, oh, you know, post Game of Thrones. Um, but yes, kind of proper dynastic struggles, a real gripping story, some really fantastic actors and a Netflix original. So for that, I'm, I'm my sort of mediocre how I feel about Netflix films is sort of the thumbs are coming back up again for what's coming. I agree and with you, And then we've Mini. also got um, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson in oh, Marriage Driver. Story. Yes. Um, and that Adam Driver is maybe my... And tell us, that's from that's a film made from two points of view, is it? Yeah, well, the, yeah, I think it's... The trailer's definitely hinting that we're getting two sides of yeah. whether it's the breakdown of a marriage or them trying to hold the marriage together. Um, and it looks like a classy take on that and it's almost like yeah. two films i think they're yeah doing you literally get yeah, his side and her side and you you, you it's going to change us which has a real kind of literary feel well, because if you've got one chapter yeah. from one and another chapter from another for me that actually does highlight why i think one of the flaws of netflix films and tv sometimes is that they feel like um you know they've just taken ideas that were popular yeah. and kind of mixed them up in a blender and then kind of <laughs> you know we get the chick- regurgitated chicken nugget yeah. version of that idea like that is the plot of the affair which has just been you know huge for five seasons um so i i remain um i think it'll be good because adam driver i mean he could act his way out of like i don't know a cbb's um gp oh, so really? um so but, oh, i didn't know you were a big cbb's fan but at the uh, same time like ma- maybe the kind of the, we look, we're kind of looking down on the regurgitation of like the ideas that are popular, but like like you were just saying about like liking the kind of tacky horror movies. If you're taking things that just because they're popular doesn't mean that it ends up rubbish. Yeah. Like yeah. doesn't mean that it's tacky. Like take all the popular stuff, turn it all up, and 
reproduce it and package it all shiny and well, if, if it does it well who yes, cares absolutely. that it's repackaged yeah. like if it's a good one who cares doesn't they do a lot of as we said two and three stars which i just feel are kind of lazy box ticking so but i also agree that when it's done very very well and george has got one that we're now this is a tv spin-off oh yes yes <laughs> uh, for the breaking bad fans yes. so i'm very i'm very happy about this yes. el, el camino it came out of nowhere um well i mean there were kind of rumors that there was going to be a breaking bad movie we already have better cool saul which is the prequel series um uh following saul goodman but this is a, a literal sequel movie to uh, felina the season finale of breaking bad um and there was a trailer that dropped uh, this week which didn't have uh jesse or walt in it it just had uh, skinny Pete being uh, being interviewed by the police as to where Jesse went because Breaking Bad fans will remember that Jesse. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> oh yes, yeah, spoilers! Yeah, spoilers! That yeah, the serious spoilers that in the final um, moments of Breaking Bad, Jesse uh, escaped um, from the white supremacists headquarters where he was being made <laughs> to uh uh cook crystal meth against his will uh and then but but walt uh saved him by blowing them all up and then jesse was going to kill walt but then jesse was stole a car and he drove off and then walt seemingly died or did he that's the question isn't it because if there's a sequel and it's following jesse does that mean that brian cranston's going to be back as walter white is is how do we feel about that do we need this because was I, the argument yeah. not that this is one of the very few shows that actually pulled off <coughs> game of thrones a proper, <laughs> a proper ending, or lost yeah. or whatever else you know a proper you know these huge concept cult shows that people are so they don't just enjoy they're invested in and they talk about and they're they bond with their friends and their communities over and this is one of the shows that did it all and ended well yeah and then they did better course all this is what this is my question did, did anyone ask for this did, does anyone actually want the Breaking uh, Bad yeah, movie? Yeah, I think Reddit <laughs> asked for this specifically. Right, okay, I'm, okay, that's fine. If the answer is yes, then I'm fine with that. I don't know that I asked but for it. Is there, <laughs> I don't know is there a risk? You know, are we? Of course. Yeah, I mean, Over I again. think luckily this year we've had the Deadwood movie, um, which yeah, I think I was really just about that. Yeah, that obviously Deadwood um, was cancelled, so it didn't have the perfect ending that Breaking Bad did, but. I think people who watched that and saw that, wow, this actually really did revive these characters for me, I think will give people more hope in the Breaking Bad movie. But I, maybe it's too soon. I don't know. Like De the Deadwood movie, that was like 15 years yeah. later. There's, you know, still people who are watching Breaking Bad on Netflix and are kind of halfway through. Are we ready for a... Personally, I'd rather they did it not like immediately level soon, but sooner rather than 15 years later because that to me is when you start getting so skeptical about whether this is just a money-making thing finished in 2013 like, feel, exactly that's that's a that's a that's while a ago yeah. that's like the happy medium of the length of time to leave it before you go and throw some more at it because you don't you don't want to feel too like you're being taken along for a ride and there's no authenticity to it i think yeah. this strikes a good a good balance okay. of leaving it so that people might want more. And anyone who's still watching Breaking Bad, firstly, they're really, really behind. And secondly, they're <laughs> going to be like, oh, great, I've got more. As, yeah. soon as, I, as soon as I finish this, I can move straight on to the movie. I can't really remember any of it. I'm worried that I'm going to watch it because I'm not. There will I'm, be a spike. I'm, I'm going to watch it, and like, they're going to tie up all these loose ends, like they did with the Deadwood movie. And but luckily, I watched Deadwood just before the movie, so it all tied in nicely for me. But I can't remember much of Breaking Bad or the characters, the minor characters. And I'm just thinking, is this? Am I? Is the, am I going to enjoy this, or do I have to go back? Go back and watch the whole I thing? I think they're hoping you'll go back and I watch the whole to. thing. I don't want to. I mean, I do, but there isn't long. any time. There's too much <laughs> yeah, TV too these much. days. <laughs> and we do. Finally, to sort of wrap into the next section. Yes, nice segueing. Mm -hmm. We've we we did find you know there are 
there are Netflix originals, which is also what we're partly here about, and Otherhood. Mm. Now, <laughs> I, I got it. I got everybody to watch this, and I, I can already feel I might be in a minority. And I looked online; the critics' reviews were not good. Um, but I also, just on a sidebar, critics very rarely like what Netflix does, and I often, you know, we George and I both review films all the time, and I, you know, we're here and there with with other critics, and we all have our own opinions. But I generally don't agree with a lot of the I enjoyed the things I, that Netflix enjoyed, have done. Yeah. I think the critics are a little bit anti-Netflix in terms of it's not proper filmmaking and they go in predisposed to not mm. finding anything. I mean, Bright, the Will Smith film, was, okay, it's very genre. It's my genre. That's the particular fantasy, high fantasy, urban fantasy. That's what I love, read, watch. I had no problems with it. I thought it did what it's supposed to do. The critics absolutely destroyed it. But are they the right critics to be reviewing that? So I'm not sure if critics are always fair on Netflix. However, I have a feeling the critics in this room <laughs> are waiting to talk about another. I so, so, see my, uh, the tension in my shoulders so holding up. Otherhood is basically middle genre, middle of the road, middle class, middle age. Uh, three pretty formidable actresses. Mm. You've, I Good mean, cast. it's incredible. You've got Angela Bassett, hurrah. You've got Patricia Arquette and Felicity Huffman. I'm going to say hurrah for Patricia Arquette too. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oscar winning Patricia Arquette. Okay. Um, yeah, so they're basically, it's Mother's Day. They've got three sons that are out in the big city. They all live in Yonkers or some ludicrously expensive suburb in yes, their it's giant... Really upper middle class, it's, isn't it's, it? House <laughs> form. It's, it's rom-com world. It's everything you yeah, always see in these shiny. films. Yes, and everybody does. But their sons haven't messaged them or contacted them properly on Mother's Day. So they're talking about motherhood, which one of them cleverly coins the phrase, it's no longer, we've just become other, we're the otherhood. I'm going to say cleverly there in uh, inverted commas. It's It's... It's a like eight out of ten clever. Okay, I I, I generally I would say like Brian Cox is eight out of ten level clever. So uh... no, I I they basically go on a little road trip um, to find their sons, turn up at their doors. The sons, of course, are horrified. Um, and then we have your typical story of they're learning from each other. The mothers discover that actually they need to pull back, and also that they don't their form of mothering wasn't quite how they thought it was, and the sons had a very different take on it. Um, but also the sons need to learn to reappreciate what their mothers went through as people. Uh, I genuinely enjoyed it. Um, I have no problems. I mean, it for me, within this kind of type of genre, this, the script for me was smart enough. The performances were excellent. Can we just stop and say how hot Angela Bassett looks when she has yes, her makeover? Yeah, we can all agree yes. on that. She generally does. I was pleasantly pleased that even Netflix decides not to bother making any scenes shot inside a car look remotely real. Um, I'm quite glad they embraced that. That actually gave me pleasure. Um, to, I don't... Uh, we're about to have a conversation, stroke, discussion. Politely. Politely, with respect. Um, I enjoyed it. And I thought there were some smart lines that, that the script didn't... I know where this film's going. I know what the point is. But the script and a couple of the scenes sort of sidestepped or went a little bit differently from how I expected. I think I, I watched, within the first 10 minutes, I was like, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. This is I'm <laughs> writing this off as one of those ones that, because I love a trashy rom-com comedy. Mm -hmm. I also, like Sex and the City, love, and it's obviously kind of following that because it's Candace. It's, it's hitting all of those things that I love, and Sex and the City is one of my favourite series ever. And she obviously basically recreates it with slightly older women, do have a slight problem with the fact that none of those women look like the age that they're playing. They are all fabulous for their age. So if we're going to make like a 
mothers of nearly 30-year-old men's story, can the mothers please look like they actually have 30-year-old sons? But these women are all in their... These actresses are all in their 50s. Yes, but do they look it? Are they representative even slightly? I know we're living in a shiny kind of gorgeous world. And the world that they lived in and the suburb they lived in, the houses they lived in. I would still like them to maybe have a few more wrinkles or like slightly more creased clothes. (laughs) But that's me. But yeah, after the first 10 minutes, I kind of like lost myself in it. And it was not great. But like you said, it had good enough this, good enough that, good enough script. Some, I actually have to disagree on the performances being like fantastic because some of it was, there were a couple of, couple of moments where I thought Felicity, like, m- love her as I do, was not doing amazingly. And some of it's just not even slightly believable she with the, the acting. She got the best critics' reviews, and I, I thought she was... Not from me. I thought, she was, <laughs> I thought she was a little bit over the top. I think yeah. the, the thing with me with the houses and everything, it saved it the minute when they were looking around her perfect house, and one of the, and you, how do you do it? And she's like, the key to a clean house is a dead husband. <laughs> yeah, that was, that and I did so, laugh so that. there were, there, there were, were, there were, were jokes like that landed, or, definitely. you know, the son going, I texted you, and she's like, I gave birth to you. Yeah. So there was, there was snappy kind of sex it's, and Yeah, it's smart enough that I enjoyed it and, and kind of didn't. than a lot that I've seen. Yes, it is definitely above average, but still not great. <laughs> I agree, it was more like, um, Netflix rom-com quality. I, yeah. I thought it was it was much better than I was expecting yeah. compared to the other yeah. the other Netflix films that we've the seen. The problem yeah. with it for me... <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Oh, he's, now, he's been waiting. Let me caveat this like, this isn't like, you know, oh, a male critic hating rom-coms. I am a sucker for films about um, the strange relationships between mothers and sons. Um, and I love Angela Bassett. I particularly love Patricia Arquette. Um, I've watched Holes on VHS until you know i ran down that uh that uh tape magna thank you uh, <laughs> but i if well, you've got patricia Arquette, you've got angela bassett you've got felicity huffman the amount of wars they've won between them there are so many things i would rather see them do than like pine miserably over three pretty terrible sons for a hundred minutes if you have that talent successful rich sons well, um, work, what's the name of his magazine? Other Balls? All Balls, um, I think it was, all balls. actually. Um, and yeah, there was were the great With his gorgeous Tribeca flat, which you're thinking, yeah. how well, are so you affording this? So <laughs> I know it's a studio, but it's like a ginormous Well, we all know studio. that journalists make a fortune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So don't, I mean, we're singing gold drones right now, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, um, one thing I liked, though, was talking about Sex and the City. It was nice to see Anthony from Sex and the City yes. uh, just pop up. Yes. Um, in fact, He's I like aged that. beautifully. He has. He looks exactly the same. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to like. Um, and I, um, to give an insight into my life, I was cooking a large batch of chilli whilst watching it. And I think it is actually the perfect kind of film yeah. to cook to um, because there's not anything really visually interesting happening apart from, like, pretty houses and... Angela Bassett's fantastic hair. Mm. Um, mm. And you can miss like a good five minutes and you're like, oh, uh, Patricia Arquette's uh, son is still depressed. Great. Okay. Um, you know, while you're stirring your um, mixed beans. It is. You don't have to focus too hard. It's definitely no. like an easy kind of Saturday afternoon movie. And I like having in the first 10 minutes hated it and then kind of ended up like, mm. oh, I actually really enjoyed that. <laughs> I would probably watch it again. That doesn't say a lot because <laughs> I rewatch a lot of terrible movies, but it's mm. that easy to consume, but it's better than yeah, just I, easy to consume. I, I agree. I, I actually ended up enjoying it. Mm. I thought the sons were well enough sketched. Um, and actually of all of them, I found, I found the, the Jewish son, Patricia Arquette's son, the most interesting, and I liked his performance as well. Amazing how much he looks like his father as well. That's uh, he's Dustin Hoffman's son. Oh, and as wow. soon as he was on, I was like, "Trivia, excellent." That's Dustin Hoffman's son. 
Um, so yeah, it's great to see him working. I also, guess. there are, like we have to just acknowledge that there are some very attractive, not just women but men in this movie. Oh, I, I just mean, have to flag that. The up. guy from um, <laughs> the guy who's in everything, who played the gay guy with the man bun. I yes. Mean, he was in that terrible. Oh, in I recognised him. He from was something. in. Isn't it romantic? Is it or is it um, the other one? How to be single? He's played a lot of. Which like is on Netflix as well. That's a really terrible. That's kind of his niche. I knew I recognised the body, and there, there was a spectacular naked man in like the very early opening scene that I was just like, okay, gratuitous <laughs> but fine. Um, you know what you're getting though. Like that yeah, sets you up, and, and you're like, yeah, this is the kind of movie we're having. Now <laughs> the sort of Sex and City links make sense yeah. as well. It was very much like that, but. Um, I, th- I think I'm fine with good actresses slightly slumming it. They elevated the material. The material was good enough. Um, and that, for me, was on a level with... Um, a lot of people didn't... Try- I quite enjoyed, you know, Murder Mystery that Netflix did. It was trash, but it was just perfectly enjoyable trash. For me, I want to compare it, like, to Wine Country because okay. you've got the kind of age... Similarities of yeah. where it's pitched at, and club. Wine Country was don't, terrible. I, don't <laughs> you stand in front of me? Let's and not start. Let's book not start club, on Book okay. Club. Book but, Club is what this film wishes it was. Uh, I think yes. actually in a lot of ways. Yeah. Which one is Book Club? Uh, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. And, um, that was terrible. Fifty Shades. That was terrible. And that had it, wonderful. It wasn't as good as it should have been. That had wonderful people in it. I just got distracted by the Jane Fonda's wig. Honestly, I could have watched that for. But I thought they were hamming it too much in that, and they were such great actresses. But bringing it to, to Wine Country, where you've got the Wine Netflix, Country, originals. Which is Netflix originals, Wine, was, th- that was, was, was bad. It was just oh, straight really? up bad. <laughs> the Again. comedy did not land. I love yeah. Amy Poehler so much, but it d- Wine it didn't land. Made me squirm in places, and yeah. I love the women in that. Yeah, you know, fantastic Poehler, cast, like just, just and she can be such an excellent writer and yeah. such an excellent creator. But it just I agree. It I, felt like it was really like. It felt almost like it was patronising the age group of women that it was aimed at, and this like as if all they want to do is drink wine, which is so depressing. Like, yes, we all and love a glass of white wine, but come yeah. on, there's so much more. That it's trying to say there's more to life, and yeah, it centres solely around the relationships with men, their little kind of bitchy moments of friendship and wine. So if they're saying there's more, yeah. give us more. But then basically, otherhood is like that, but without the wine. A little bit, <laughs> but the but it's the, the humour's smarter. The actresses actually kind of land their kind of moments that are given, and you've got Felicity Huffman's incredible duster jacket. Well, I, I, <laughs> so just watch it. Just watch the first hair. five she minutes of that ex- outfit. She had expensive hair. I love expensive hair. Yeah. Her hair was always done so it looked slightly tousled. However, perfect. perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I, and, yeah I, I, I enjoyed her. I do. I do much. have a. I do have a theory as to why it's slightly better than we than we thought it would be. I think that's because it was supposed to go to the cinema. Because I was reading on the Wikipedia page that it premiered in July, but it was originally supposed to come out in April. However, Felicity Huffman was involved in yes, this oh. scandal, huge, and she huge, might be going to jail. Huge, yes. huge. Careful scandal. what we say here. <laughs> well, ironic considering this is a film that's about perfect motherhood and also about helicopter mothering and also about over mothering yeah this is this huge scandal in the states where a couple of famous people have been caught up in a massive college admission admission scandal and they were there was a massive sting operation to expose them and it turns out that they've been paying for um admissions access is the theory that because of the college admission scandal this didn't end up going into cinemas is that what we're saying here it says it was premiered at 51 fest so it was at it was at a film festival i know netflix but a lot of netflix films are now being premiered i'm not so sure that it has affected yet i think her career moving forward will be in trouble 
Um, but I don't until I don't, the Desperate Housewives 15 years later movie that Netflix I'm, is going to premiere in I'm, five years I'm, I'm fine with that. that I would love that <laughs> let's happy, do that I'm happy with that so I don't know about that but I do think that that, that was worldwide huge headlines yeah. um, and she paid thousands to something to do with exam coaching admissions and something like that for the um for her daughter's yeah. school Admission, to be yeah. talking about like you know I said I wanted these three actresses to be in a better film that's the film I want them to be in like then kind of doing <laughs> yes. like, the admissions <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, I mean I'm sure my that's real coming real life drama yeah. I'm sure that one's coming oh my goodness who will play Felicity Huffman in in that okay I'm up for that that is the, yeah that is we look forward to that uh, coming to Netflix very soon we're sure <laughs> so let's just quickly go around and say how many stars out of five you would give Otherhood I'm gonna Quietly, proudly, happily say four for what it is, for its genre. George? Yeah, taking into account the genre three. Yeah, it's a three film, but a, but a four three. star within the genre. Many. I think, yeah, if with with caveats, I, I might put it at 3.5. Can I go 3.5? Yes. <laughs> you make your own. Uh, well, I'm going to uh, end it on a down and give it a two stars. Uh, but obviously the room has liked it much more than me. So, you know, add it to your Netflix lists uh, at your own peril. So I thought we would end this uh, podcast with a quick game, uh, Netflix-themed <laughs> game. Um, now we have watched this. What genre would you say this film was? Kind of um, mother, mother comedy, shall we call it? it Moco. It, it's M-O-R, isn't it? It's kind of middle of the road. Oh, middle of the road. Uh, and Netflix, of course, is the champion of the incredibly niche genre. You know, we've all worked our way through uh, cartoons featuring a strong female lead. And uh, <laughs> sub 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 genres. Yes. So, with that in mind, I have a game in which I have assembled a number of real and fake Netflix genres uh, according to the Netflix website. Wow. And you guys, um, we're going to go around and you have to guess which are real and which are fake. So, are you ready to go? Yes. Go. Okay. So, Stefan, your choices are 20th century period piece for ages 11 to 12 or 20th century period piece for teens. I'm going to, because it sounds more ridiculous, for ages 11 to 12. You've already seen through the floor in this game, which is uh, worrying <laughs> in the first round. Uh, that is correct. Yes. Um, there yes. are no... Because twi- as soon as you reach the age of 12, everyone knows you have no more interest in 20th century period pieces. Um, great. So that's one point for you. Thank you um, very much. So, George, we have action adventures for hopeless romantics. Uh, that might be one for you. Or action adventures set at Christmas. <laughs> um, that the, just got like one movie in it <laughs> I couldn't possibly I th- say I think Hopeless Romantics because it's the one that I, that might surprise me well you're um, you're all exposing the flaws in this game because that is also <laughs> correct I want to watch those I want to find that this is Die Hard isn't it well that'll be the Christmas what, Hopeless no, Romantics the- oh, Hopeless so Romantics the, the one said at Christmas yeah Action Adventures for Hopeless Romantics that um True Lies maybe yeah there we go is there anything with the rock in? Because I just love him. Well, that's for that's people who are hopelessly hopeless romantic romance. for the rock. <laughs> <laughs> that's Hobson Shaw. That's a hopeless romantic. Yes, and between I will be Jason rewatching Statham that the rock, soon. I loved Hobson Fantastic. Shaw. I, yeah, no arguments here. Okay, Minnie. So we have goofy movies about cats and dogs. <laughs> that's got to be or real. Goofy movies starring Snoop Dogg. I think both of those could potentially be real, but I'm going to go goofy movies with cats and dogs. You're correct, but movie starring Snoop Dogg is also a category, unfortunately. Oh. They haven't ne- narrowed it down to just goofy, because I think it's probably 
implied. Yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that you've then thought up a variation on a Netflix. Are you gunning for a, a job outside here? Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, Netflix, if you're listening. Get in touch. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is your man. I love. I loved <laughs> Otherhood and other. Uh, all the Netflix films. originals. Okay, so that means that we all have one point, which means we need a tiebreaker question. So. <laughs> First person to buzz in. I don't know how you're going to do that. You can uh, muck it out amongst yourselves. So we have chilling TV mysteries featuring a strong female lead or comic book and superhero f- movies featuring a strong female lead. Comics. Got to be real. Anyone else? Um, well, there's only two options. So what would you like to go for? I'm going to go with chilling TV mysteries, was it? Chilling TV mysteries featuring a strong female lead. I'll go with that one. Say them both again. <laughs> really considering this one. Yes. So your options are, I'm going to do this like Chris Karen style, <laughs> chilling TV mysteries featuring a strong female lead, or chilling, chilling comic book and superhero movies featuring a strong female lead. Oh, I think the first one, because there aren't many. They're not many at all. So. <laughs> You're so good at this game that you've even preempted my satirical point there. Uh, <laughs> that, it, that unfortunately, Minnie, is the chilling TV mysteries featuring mm. a strong Mine female lead. <laughs> because as we know, comic book and superhero movies featuring a strong female lead were invented only last year by Marvel. Um, apart from Catwoman. Somewhat underwhelmingly controversially. But unfortunately, we don't have time. <laughs> we like Why are you right at the end just that, dropping that in I there? I dropped that in before anyone can <laughs> shout me off the air. <laughs> and on that... Um, you know, jump into uh, Stefan's tweets about that. I'm sure he'll, he'll love it. But unfortunately, that is all that we have time for here. So I'd like to thank Stefan, George and Minnie for being here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. You're welcome. Guys. Uh, your, Netflix will be calling you. They will. Um, so ne- when you next see a film that has uh, Holly Hunter in its starring lead with Tilda Swinter playing her kooky sister, that was me. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> next week, we are back to our scheduled programming. The Helens will be back to talk about the uh, Jim Henson reboot slash Dark sequel Dark thing. Crystal. The Dark Crystal colon Age of Resistance. They're going to be talking to the cast and crew and telling you everything you need to know about the Dark Crystal. And the Gelflings, which is a word that I'm going to presume is a real word, uh, yes. but I've never heard before. If you enjoyed Netflix podcast this week, you can follow us on Twitter at Netflix pod. Don't forget to subscribe and review wherever you get podcasts and be sure to tune in next week where we will be talking all things, the dark crystal age of resistance. Thank you for listening. <laughs>